Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. You may be seated. We're going to continue on with the, uh, the teaching on heaven. Like I said, next week is going to be Purim. The following week, I was going to do it this week, but we had to cancel uh, service last Sunday. The following week, I believe it's the 7th, I want to do a teaching on heaven. Will we recognize our loved ones when we go to heaven? I'm going to talk about, what about children? How old will we be in heaven? Will we see our children if, God forbid, a child has gone to heaven? And like I said in the beginning of this series, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I was telling Tiz last night some of these things. And uh, I said, I'm a little bit embarrassed that being a pastor all these years, I've never really studied heaven. I mean, I know the streets of gold. I know the pearly gates. But I've never really studied what heaven is going to be like. And folks, the more I study this, the more I realize, holy moly, this place is beyond our imagination. I want to ask you to open your Bibles at first to 2 Kings chapter 6. And then we're going to go to Revelations chapter 5. I said last week, or maybe the week before, that there was a survey that was done amongst people. Do you believe in life after death? Do you believe that you'll live on after this earth? And the amazing statistic was, even amongst those who believe there's life after death, do you want to live forever? And their answer was, no. 28% of people said they'd like to live forever. Then the question was, why wouldn't you want to live forever? And the response was, and I want you to listen to this, the response was, it seems like heaven will be boring. And what, we're, what we talked about a couple weeks ago in heaven is going to be anything but boring. You know, we always picture sitting on a cloud, playing a harp. In fact, Tiz and I were talking about this last night, and, you know, she already knows some of the things I've shared with her, some of the things that I've read, and the scriptures that come alive. And you read these scriptures, and you go, oh, my goodness, that's what this means. And she said, well, I'm so glad you're doing this, because I've always wondered, are we going to be bored sitting up in heaven? You know, we talked, I think two weeks ago, we talked about the Bible says that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And that means that up in heaven, looking down on us, and and we're going to talk, I think, next uh, on the 7th, do the ones that we love, do they see us down here? And you think about Jesus gave us a hint of this. It's fascinating. But Jesus gave us a hint of this at the Mount of Transfiguration. 
When we go to Israel, a lot of times we'll, we'll do some of these different sites and we'll go to where Jesus had the visitation. Jesus was there with John and Peter and James and Moses and Elijah showed up. And James and John and everybody knew it was Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah knew what was going on. Folks, heaven's going to be an amazing place. We'll be, we'll be in the new Jerusalem. We'll be a new heaven, new earth. We'll have new bodies. I'm going to talk about that. We'll have new bodies, glorified bodies. How old will we be when we're in heaven? We won't have to diet in heaven. We talked about angels. I want to read with you in 2 Kings chapter 6. And, and by the way, I... It, the, we're looking at the calendar. After Purim, we have a few weeks, and then we get into Passover. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to share on all these things, but it's amazing. Every one of us, every one of us has guardian angels. When you go from this life into the next, immediately you're in the presence of the Lord, but your guardian angels are with you. Your angels go with you. Read with me. This was just fascinating when I started reading more and more. You know, I could do a whole series on angels. In reading these things, you realize what God has for us is really, truly beyond our imagination. You know, when we say, there's so much to get out. There's, when we say it's beyond our imagination, the Bible says, I is not seen. Ear is not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us. What he's saying is, is that we won't even be able to imagine what it is God has for us. But then the next verse says, until the last days. And I prayed about that. I said, God, what do you mean until the last days? In the last days, there's going to be signs and wonders and miracles. And I believe in these last days, there are going to be prophets and prophetesses raised up that will have visions of what is going on in heaven. I believe we're close. Somebody asked me in the back, Pastor, do you think that this incredible once in a hundred year ice storm that we hit in Texas is a birth pang. Absolutely. I believe everything that we're seeing that's going on in the government, in prophecy, in Israel, in the, in, in our weather, in everything is a birth pang saying, wake up. Heaven is closer than you really imagine, but our best is yet to come because we're not going home with the moan. We're going out with a shout. Somebody say, amen. I really believe that. It's a wake-up call, and I believe that God wants to stir up the gifts of the Spirit and prepare us to have dreams and have visions and see things that no one in any generation has seen so far. Read with me in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And so he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, 
and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. You know, the Lord gave me this scripture last night when I was studying. I'm, talking, I'm thinking about, I'm studying about angels. I'm studying about children having angels, you and I having guardian angels, the angels in heaven, the angels of fire, angels uh, that are so mighty people would fall down. And it came to my spirit, and I believe this is what's going to happen. The young man woke up, and he looked out, and and I, and I feel like this is kind of where we're at. He looked out and he said, man, the, the enemy looks awful strong. The enemy looks like he's going to beat us. And God spoke through the prophet. And he said, open, he prayed, God, open his eyes. And he looked out and he realized the army of God's angels was so great that it outnumbered by far, anything the enemy could bring against them. And I believe that's going to happen in these days, that God is going to begin to open our eyes. You know, in ancient Hebrew, there's no, there, no word for what? I don't believe it's a coincidence that after all these years of ministry, God has put in my heart to study about heaven. Not because I'm sick or not because of anything like that. I think God is preparing us for these great last outpouring of God's spirit that we will let people know heaven is a place that is so magnificent and that we realize earth is not our home. This is not where we belong. And you're going to see this in scripture. We belong with God in eternity. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Revelations chapter 5 and... I want to read, and, and if you get a chance, read the whole book of Revelations. But I want to read just a little bit of it to give us a taste of what I'm going to teach you about today. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loosen its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll, or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, now, as we're reading this, I want you to picture what John is seeing in heaven. And just in reading this, you're going to realize heaven's going to be a pretty magnificent place. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loosen its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb 
as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests before our God and have made us in heaven kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on earth. But I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Let me read that again, because we're talking about angels, guarding, guarding angels, ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation, open our eyes and look. And there was more for us than there was for them. And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne many angels, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. These are just angels. And saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and the strength and honor, glory and blessing." And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Now, this is just a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. We're going to see the elders. We're going to see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to see Ezekiel, Daniel, and David. We're going to see James and John and Peter. We're going to see the Lamb of God, which is the main thing. But we see in here not only the angels, but we see that the new heaven and the new earth are filled with living creatures. Now, I want you to think about that. We're going to talk in the weeks to come. What is the new heaven going to be like? What is the new earth going to be like? What is it going to mean to have a glorified body? Will I recognize you? Will you recognize me? How old will we be? But the thing I want to address today is what will we be doing when we're in heaven? And the thing, and, and, you know, I've never really thought of it before, to be honest with you. But the thing, if you go away with nothing today but this, there is life after life in a way that we cannot even imagine. There is life after life in a way 
that we cannot even imagine. Read with me. Let me read 2 Corinthians 2.10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we may walk in them. Now, when we read this, when I've read this, whenever I taught of this, I said, we're created by Christ Jesus for good works. Now, in ancient Hebrew, there are a heavenly and an earthly. There is a lesser and a greater. Here on earth, we're to be doing good works. But when you read the scripture, and, and that is, that's the lesser. Here on, here on earth, we're to love one another. We're to feed the hungry. We're to clothe the orphan. We're to, we're to do those things. Not somebody else. We're to do them because we are representing God. But when you read this in the text, it doesn't mean just on earth, but we are created for good works when we go to heaven. When we go to heaven, we will actually have work to do in serving the living God. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Instead of just reading, and I want you to read it with me. We are created by God for good works here on earth, but we're also created by God because we will all have work to do when we are in heaven. Luke 19, look at verse 17. And he said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because you were faithful in very little, you will have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Master, your minna has earned five minas. And likewise, he said to him, you also will be over five cities. Now, some translations said rulers are governors. Now, let me ask you something. If you've done something good, helping us feed the kids in Africa, helping us aliyah in Israel, helping us build bomb shelters, whatever, how many have seen the blessing of God come on you in your job, in your life, in your business? But how many of you have become governors over 10 cities? Now, God is not given. This is what I'm saying. How many years have I read that scripture? And God said, you've been faithful in a little. Now I'm going to give you much. And you'll be governors or rulers of 10 cities. Well, I pastor a church. But I'm not governor, much less governor of 10 cities. And God's not given to exaggeration. When you understand this in the Hebrew, when you understand this the way it's supposed to be understood, God is saying, here on earth, while you do good deeds, I will bless you. you but when you've been faithful in a little, someday you're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. And you'll be ruling and reigning. Those who are faithful in much will be rewarded much. Those who are faithful little will be rewarded little. But this is not, we're going to be the governor of Texas. This is talking about when we rule and reign with Christ Jesus. Now watch this. 
Amos chapter 9, verse 13 says, The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and the grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. Now, take that on earth. And I believe that, and I believe the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more prosperity God will bring to his children. I believe that a thousand percent that we'll go out the lender, not the borrower. God's going to cancel debt. God's going to bless your business bless, in, way, say, in ways that we have not seen it. Bless. The closer we get to the end, the more prosperity there will come to God's people. Because every time there is an outpouring of the spirit, there is an also an outpouring of the finances to back that up. But have we ever seen where the grapes are growing faster than you can pick them? This is talking about in heaven. Picture Adam and Eve before the fall. And they were working. They were tending the garden. They had dominion. They had dominion over the whole earth. And if you remember, after they got thrown out, God said, I'll put an angel to lead the way back to the garden. There's going to come a time that we'll be in heaven and literally we'll be working. We don't, we don't know exactly what our job will be. I'm going to hint at that today, but we're going to be tending. But whatever we're doing, the blessing of God will be so great that it will over. We're not going to be these inanimate. We're going to be eating in heaven. We're going to be sleeping in heaven. When we go to heaven, God has a great feast prepared for us. He wouldn't have a feast if we weren't eating. There's going to come a time that our work will be so enjoyable. And the blessing of God will be so great that literally... We won't be able, literally, we won't be able to keep up with the blessing. Listen to this. In John 5, 17, Jesus says, My father is always working, and so am I. Now, we're made in the image of God. And this scripture, Jesus said, how many times have I read that? Over the years, how many times have I read the book of John and never seen this? Jesus said, my father has never finished working and neither am I. So we're not going to be up on, in heaven. Bling, bling. We're going to be doing things, working along with the Lord. You know, uh, when I read that, I, uh, my father is never finished working. I think I've told you this story, but many years ago, I was writing the book on seven curses that block the blessing. And one of those was the curse of racism, that if you're a racist, you can't be blessed. And Tiz and I had just come back from Israel. We stopped in Venice, and I had a lady take us to the Jewish ghetto in Venice. And that's where the word ghetto came from. 
putting people in the ghetto. That's, that's where the word came from. The word is in Italian is something like yado, and that's what mean, which means like running water. They had a steel mill there, I think, and the r- running water caused the steel mill to work. And the Jews were brought in from, this is the first place the Jews were brought in and locked in a, in a, in a neighborhood, and they called it ghetto. And so I was doing research on if we're going to break the curse of racism, we have to break the curse of blaming the Jews for killing Jesus. Let's kill the root and the rest of the plant will die. Amen. And so anyway, we were there and uh, the the lady showed us around and here's where the, the, the Jews were shot and there's bullet holes still in the walls and there's like 30 Jews left in the whole area when there was tens of thousands and so I was standing there looking at where they would line the Jews up and there were locks where they'd lock them in. Tiz was in a shop and uh, all of a sudden I felt somebody next to me and it was two Orthodox Jews. And they, they came up to me and they said, are you Jewish? And I said, yes, I am. And they said, well, have you put on the tefillin today and prayed? And the tefillin is you've seen them wrap the thing around their arms and they have this box between their eyes and I said you know uh I I haven't done that today they said well you need to come in and and do that with us and they were from uh, a group that's led by Rabbi Schneerson you heard me quote Rabbi Schneerson many times and Rabbi Schneerson set these places up all over the world and where they would get Jews to put on the tefillin as an obedience of one of the commandments because their belief is if you do one good thing it will lead you to doing another good thing and it'll lead you to do another good thing. And so they're all of, they're like missionaries of doing good deeds. And so I said, you know, I, I said, I'm fine. They said, come with us. And so, so Tiz was in the shop. I went, you know, 10 yards over into their little place. And they said, you need to put the tefillin on with us and pray. And I said, well, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I said, I'm a, I'm a Christian pastor. And they said, that's great. That's fine. And I said, you know, and this was years ago when I first started realizing we needed to understand the Jewish roots. And, uh, and I said, well, I said, let, let me say this. If you can tell me why you do that, why do you put that every day, put that on your arm, put that on your head? You know, and I know the scripture that you wrap it around your hand, you put between your eyes. I know the scripture. But I said, if you can tell me why you do that, Instead of just a ritual, why you do that? I said, I'll I'll put it on and pray with you. And they looked at me and they said, when you stop and pray, the reason you do that is you're not just praying while you're combing your hair or praying while you're driving. Get out of the way, Lord bless me. (laughs) Rub, dub, dub, thanks for the grub. Yay, God, I'm on my way out the door. They said, he said, God has you do that because it makes you slow down. And when you slow down, you think, I'm about to pray to the God of the universe. And this is what they said. Now think about this. When Jesus said, my father never stops working. He said, when you stop to pray, the God of the universe will stop making universes to hear your prayer. He'll say to the angel, stop One of my children is talking to me. And when I read that scripture, 
where Jesus said, our Father never stops working. And that we will be with him, with the Lamb, and with him who sits on the throne. And he's creating universe after universe after universe. Things that we can't even imagine. And we'll be partnering with him. And I thought, that's what these Jews were talking about. Our Father, who is our Father through Jesus Christ, will stop making universes to hear the prayers of his children. You and I aren't going to be sitting on a cloud up there. We'll be partnering with Almighty God in the creation and the reigning and the ruling of universes that we can't even imagine. Serving God in heaven is synonymous with serving God on earth. Now listen to this. Revelation 22.3 says, now listen to this. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him forever. There'll be no more curse. This earth is cursed. This earth is is it has weeds and thorns and thistles this world has racism this world has anger this world has violence but when we're working with God in heaven when we're when we're assigned our duty in heaven there'll be nothing that will stop us there'll be nothing that will decay our work we go to Israel and we look at buildings and our our, our ruins that are 3000 4000 years old when we're in heaven we'll be building things that will never decay we'll be writing books that will never get old we'll be discovering things that will be brand new there's no end to what what we're going to be doing in heaven because it's eternal tell me what the avos is the first the avot of something means you can't understand everything that follows unless you understand the first thing you know i i used to brag that I didn't really read the book of Revelations too much because it's too confusing. But we can't understand the book unless we understand the way it starts. Maybe this is part of, in the last days, we'll begin to understand heaven. Listen to Revelations 1.1. The book of Revelations begins with these words. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. Now, this is the avot of Revelation. Why did God give us the book of Revelations? To show us who are his servants. Things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by an angel to his servant John. John says the book of Revelations was written to show his servants the things that must shortly come. When John, when the angel in the book of Revelations, when the angel came to John, if you remember the story, to show the servants of God, this book of Revelations in these last days is not to be confusing but in these last days it's going to be revealed 
but it's only going to be revealed to his servants. If you remember the story when John saw the angel, what did John do? John, this angel, the angel, a messenger of God, not God, a messenger of God. John sees him. John, John has the, 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 the vision of earth. And now all of a sudden he sees an angel who's nothing but a messenger. And when he sees his angel, what did John do? Fell down on his knees to worship the angel. But what did the angel say? He said, don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. Because I am nothing but a servant like you. Think about that. The tens of thousands of thousands of thousands of angels, the angels that are of fire, the angels that have six wings, the angels that glow as, as, as the morning light. These angels are servants with us and we'll be serving God in heaven with these angels. The angels said that I'm a servant just like you. When we get to heaven, we're going to have new responsibilities. We're going to have new revelations. We're going to have new skills. We're going to have jobs that are so meaningful that it's beyond our imagination. Jesus said, when the master returns, listen to this, he will say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Now, if you read the book of Revelations, and there's so much, God is showing me so much, it's, it's hard to get it all in. But over and over and over and over and over and over again, God talks about the faithful servants on earth will also be the faithful servants in heaven. There are levels of heaven. I don't know if we're going to get into that. I don't know if we'll have time to get into that. But listen to what Jesus says. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler, ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. How many times have I read that scripture? And it never dawned on me. That what Jesus is saying, what, what, what he's telling us is that when we've been faithful here on earth to do the job that God's called us to do, to feed the widows and the orphans, that's, that's our job. To tell people the good news, to love one another, to tear down hate and to tear down racism and to tear down divisions and, and, and be kind. That's our job. And if we do that job, if we do that job, if you and I do that job and we stand for the nation of Israel and we do all the things that God's called us to do, when we do that, someday in heaven, yes, he'll bless us here on earth without a shadow of doubt. The blessing of God on earth will be greater than we've ever seen before. Folks, our best really is yet to come. But someday, we're not, we, we need to understand we're not made. This earth is not our home. This earth is a vapor of smoke. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. That's how fast this life is. I got saved. I, I got saved when I was 26 years old. I'm 70 years old now. It went by like that. It goes by so fast. 
because we're not made for this earth. We're made to someday stand before the Lord and for him to say to me and to you and to all of you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little things. Now I'm going to make you ruler. I'm not going to have you sitting on a cloud playing a harp. I'm going to make you a ruler. We're going to work in heaven, enter into the joy of the Lord. Whatever our assi- whatever my assignment is, whatever your assignment is, when we get to heaven, if we've been faithful here, that assignment, he's going to say, enter in to the joy of the Lord. It will be beyond anything than we can imagine. Wilbur Smith, who wrote the book, Biblical Doctors of Heaven, said these words. In heaven, we will be permitted to finish many of those worthy tasks which we only dreamed we would do, but which we never had either the time, nor the strength, nor the ability to achieve what was in our hearts to do. There are so many things that I would love to be able to do to change the world. And I know you would too. But we either don't have the time or the ability or the knowledge. I remember when I read, read that, what he said, I thought about this song back when I was in college. I'd love to change the world, but I really don't know what to do. When we're in heaven... And ruling and reigning and working and serving with God, we will be doing things that are way beyond anything we can imagine because our abilities, our knowledge, our wisdom, our strength will be beyond anything that's natural. It'll be supernatural. Ray Stedman said these words, there will be, a new, there will be new planets developed, new principles discovered, new joys experienced every moment of eternity will be an adventure of discovery let me say that again i love that every moment in eternity will be a new adventure of discovery you know we've got a little place up in colorado and every day i go out in the woods and i walk with my dogs And I'd love to climb the mountain, literally, to see what's on the other side. I just love it. But in heaven, we'll have new bodies. Time, I'm going to read you some things in in the next few weeks on near-death experiences. Travel will have no limit. Time will have no limit. Knowledge will have no limit. Senses will have no limit. Every moment... That we're in eternity will be a wonderful new adventure. John writes in Revelations 14. He said, I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. And, and I love this. And I know I've pointed this out before in this scripture. In everything John saw, this is the one where the angel said, John, I don't want you ad-libbing this. Write this one down. Write this one down. Get it exactly right. I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. 
Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work and for their good deeds will follow them. Everything we do here on earth is going to follow us into heaven. And I believe that part of our reward, and our rewards are going to be phenomenal, part of our reward is the amazing service we have with the Lord that is beyond anything we can imagine. Let me close with this. I've been reading so many stories of people that have gone to heaven and come back. Children, I'm going to share that on the 7th. This is a story about a doctor who was a totally non-believer until he operated on a blind girl. On that operation, she passed away, but she came back. And when she, she was blind from birth, and when she described what she saw, the doctor knew there was a heaven. Let me read this story to you. No light, no shadows, no nothing. Victor explained, Kenneth Ring, a professor at the University of Connecticut, was conducting a study on which near-death experience of blind people. Both optic nerves were so severely damaged, Vicki had never visually seen anything during her 22 years of life. As Vicki explains, a lot of people ask me if I see black. No, I don't see black. I don't see anything at all. And in my dreams, I don't see any visual impressions. It's just taste, touch, sound, and smell but no visual impressions of anything. That is, until one faithful night at age 22. Vicky occasionally sang at a Seattle nightclub. Unable to catch a taxi after closing time, her only resort was to hitch a ride with two inebriated patrons in a van. Not surprisingly, they crashed. Vicky was hurled from the van and suffered a basal skull fracture broken neck, broken back. The next thing Vicky knew, she found herself above the scene of the accident, looking down at what she realized must be the crumbled van she was in. Having never seen anything as a blind person, Vicky recalls it was hard to adjust to seeing, and it was scary at first. Then, I liked it, and it was okay. I had trouble relating things to one another, what I was seeing and perceiving versus what I had touched and known. Vicki doesn't remember the ambulance ride to Harborville Medical Center, but the next thing she recalls is that she left her body again and floated up near the ceiling from where she watched a male doctor and a woman working on a woman's body. I was quite tall and thin at that point, Vicky recalls, and I recognized at first that it was a body, but I didn't even know that it was mine at first. Then I perceived that I was 
up on the ceiling. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. What am I doing up here? And then I thought, well, this must be me. Am I dead? She could open. She could overhear the doctors as they discussed their fear that possible damage to her eardrum would lead to deafness in addition to her blindness. Vicky tried to tell them she was fine, but the doctors didn't respond. Vicky recognized her hair, which was down to her waist, and her wedding band, which had orange, blo- orange blossoms engraved on it. Listen to her words. I thought, is this my body down there? And am I dead or what? They keep saying we can't bring her back. We can't bring her back. And they were trying to frantically work on this thing that I discovered was my body. But I felt very detached from it and sort of, so what? And I was thinking, what are these people getting so upset about? Then I thought, I'm out here. I can't get these people to listen to me. As soon as I thought that, I went through the ceiling as if it were nothing. And it was wonderful to be out there, to be free, not worrying about bumping into anything. I knew where I was going. I heard this sound of wind chimes. That was the most incredible sound that I can describe. Vicky experienced a sense of upward motion as she traveled through the ceiling of the hospital and up through the roof of the building itself. She had brief panoramic view of the hospital roof below her, as well as the streets, other buildings around the hospital, and all the city lights. As Professor Ring reports, she felt very exhilarated during this ascension and enjoyed tremendously the freedom of movement that she was experiencing. Vicki noticed that she was fully herself and had a distinct form and a non-physical body, she said, that was made of light. Then she found herself going up through a dark enclosure, like a tube, she says. And she was being pulled into this tube or tunnel head first. She had no fear as she found herself moving towards a pinpoint of light that was getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And as she reached the opening of this tube where the light was, she heard sublimely beautiful and exquisitely harmonious music that she had heard earlier. It transitioned into songs of praising God. As she reached the opening of the tube, she rolled out to find herself lying on green grass. Trees and flowers and a vast number of people surrounded her. 
She found herself in a place of tremendous light. And the light, Vicki says, was something you could feel as well as see. Even the people she saw were bright. Everyone was made of light. And I was made of light. What the light conveyed was love. There was love everywhere. It was like love came from the grass. Love came from the birds. Love came from the trees. It was incredible, truly beautiful. And I was overwhelmed by the experience because I couldn't really imagine what light was like. I'd been blind. It's still a very emotional thing when I talk about this. Vicki goes on to explain that in this other world, she was welcomed by some acquaintances she knew. As Ring notes, quote, there are five of them, Debbie, Diane, There were five of them. Debbie and Diane were Vicky's blind schoolmates who had died years before at age 11 and 6. In life, they had both been profoundly retarded as well as blind. But here they appeared bright, beautiful, healthy, and totally alive. They were no longer children, but as Vicky phrased it, they were in their prime. In addition, Vicky reports seeing two of her childhood caretakers, a couple named Mr. and Mrs. Zilk, both of whom also previously had died. Finally, there was Vicky's grandmother, who had essentially raised Vicky and who had died just two years before this accident. Vicki relates, I had a feeling like I knew everything. This was a place that I would find the answers to all the questions about life, about the planets, about God, about everything. Professor Ring notes, as these revelations are unfolding, excuse me, Vicky notices that now next to her is a figure whose radiance is far greater than the illumination of any of the other people she has so far encountered. Immediately, she recognizes this to be Jesus. I was real close to him. He actually hugged me. He embraced me. And I was very close to him. I felt his beard and I felt his hair. He actually enveloped me. That's the only word I can think of to describe it. He enveloped me with so much warmth and love. And his eyes were piercing. It was like they permeated every part of me. But not in a mean way. It was like you couldn't lie about anything. 
He just looked everywhere and could see everything. Yes, I wanted to reveal everything to him. Almost done. He communicated to my mind. Isn't it wonderful? Everything is beautiful here. And it fits together. You'll find that. You'll find that. But I'm sorry. You can't stay here. It's not your time to be here yet. You have to go back. Vicky reacted with extreme disappointment and protested. No, please, I want to stay with you. But the being reassured her that she would come back. But for now, she has to go back. She has to learn and she has to teach more about loving and forgiving. But first, watch this, he said. And what Vicky saw was everything from birth in a complete panoramic view of her life. And as she watched, the being gently commented to help her understand the significance of her actions and their repercussions. The last thing Vicky remembers once the life review had been completed are these words. You have to leave now. You have to leave now. She then experienced a sickening thud, like a roller coaster going backwards, and found herself back in her body, feeling pain and heavy. As a former skeptic, I would have lots of counter-arguments forming in my head about all this. It seems too good to be true. Yet the testimonies of people like Vicki have convinced many skeptics who are doctors, professors, and research of life. Seeing truly is believing. Vicki described people she had never seen, and she was correct. She described the way they looked, the way they walked, the way they acted, and remembering that Vicky had been blind from birth, there was no way she could see these things except seeing them through the eyes of God. I love what he said, what the Lord said to her. You have to go back because there's work to be done. Folks, we got work to do. And someday, as we do that work, we will stand before him. We'll meet Vicki. Someday, we'll stand before him. And when we hear those words, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. But what I have in store, you can't even imagine. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Heaven is going to be anything but boring. Can I have an amen? Amen. Would you give the Lord a clap offering for his love and his grace? Stand with me all over the building as we close in prayer. Sorry to be all... (laughs) 
I don't know if you know, but this week we lost one of the best people in our church. Robert is going to be with the Lord. Everybody prayed, everybody believed. Everybody was just standing. But God called Robert home. And when I look at this vision, I realize that when we're sad, we're sad because we miss Robert. We're not sad because of where Robert is. Because he's in a place that we can't even imagine. I do know this, that the Bible says, it's appointed unto a man once to die. And then the judgment. I don't know if that means on God's calendar, our appointment with the afterlife is there. I don't know if it means just simply every one of us is going to die. But I do know that while we're here on earth, God has a mission for us. Not just to come to church and sing songs. That's all wonderful. That's great. But to make a difference in the world. You know, I think about Robert, and Robert was always down feeding the hungry. Always down doing, always. They were always, every outreach, they were always. And at that very millisecond when Robert left this world, he was in this place. And I can picture Jesus hugging him just like you hugged Vicky, and said, well done. Now watch what we have left to do. You know, last week, nobody knew what I was going to teach on this week. Margaret came out and said to Ann and Katie, when her mother passed away, about four or five days later, her father saw her. Saw her. I'm going to talk about that. Do they see us? Can we get glimpses still of them? And as she was leaving to go back into heaven, she said, we have so much work to do. I've got to go back. We have so much work to do. In ancient Hebrew, there's no word for coincidence. That was God saying to me, her telling Katie and, and Anna, that was God saying to me, I want you to teach this. We have, we have work to do up there. Not hard work, not, oh, I got to go to work. It's, we're a glorified body in a glorified place. We're ruling and reigning with him. We've been faithful over little. He'll make us rulers over much. It's going to be unbelievably magnificent. But while we're here, how many understand? We have work to do. It's appointed unto a man once to die. What does that mean? I, I, I don't know. I think I know. But I don't know for sure. When I was in college, I came home. I was playing football in college. And I came home one summer, and I was playing for a soccer team. 
to stay in shape. And my friends came and picked me up after a practice, and we were driving over a friend's house right in front of my aunt's, my aunt's house. We were making a left turn, and a guy came around the curve 90 miles an hour and hit our car broadside. It hit, I was sitting in the back seat, and it hit where I was sitting. And the car bent over me and had me in there. And I was unconscious, but I was conscious. And I remember people around me saying, he's dead, he's dead. And I'm thinking, why can't I yell out? I'm not dead. I remember hearing, then hearing a voice, and, and this man said, I'm a priest. Is there anything I can do? And I heard these people say, he's already gone. And I didn't feel like I went anywhere. I felt, and I, I wanted to say, I'm not gone. I'm not gone. My aunt came out, saw me, called my mom and dad. My mom picked up the phone. And she said, I need to talk to Norm, my dad. Said, he's gone. When they got there, they pulled the car off. And I remember going, <sighs> and I wasn't gone. I don't know, I don't know what happened. But I do know this as long as we're still here, God has a plan for every one of us. And it's a wonderful plan, it's a glorious plan. It's a plan of partnering with Him. Not just to sing. Now, if we get the time, I'm going to talk about worship in heaven. We got, I think, we're one of the greatest worship teams ever. But it's not going to compare what's up there. <laughs> I really do. I think our, our worship team is absolutely magnificent. But we're going to have worship there. The grass sings. The flowers sing. The trees sing. Music comes from our bodies. But as long as we're here, God has a job for us to do. And I want to encourage you. Let's make a difference. Whenever we can, wherever we go, tikkun olam, heal the world with love and joy and letting people know, no matter who you are, God loves you so much. He sent his only begotten son. Because all of us will live forever. And when we leave this life and we go into our new home, we want him to say to every one of us, well done. What glorious words that will be. Amen. I'd like to have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. And I want to ask you, you know what? I'm not even going to have us raise our hands. This life is a vapor of smoke eternity is closer to us than we can imagine. Let's all pray this out together. Say this with me. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive, I rededicate my life to Jesus. Father, use me 
touch me that I may touch others. And I will give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus name. Amen. Let me pray one more thing over you. And not only over you, but all of you that are watching. The Bible promises us that in the last days, he'll pour out his spirit. Signs, wonders, miracles, prophets, prophetesses. The Bible says, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man. The things that God has prepared, prepared for those who love him. But then the next verse says, until the end. In other words, something is going to happen in the last days that will begin to understand heaven with such an anointing that we'll be able to give that to people. And they'll want to go to heaven. They won't want to miss this. I believe in all my heart that God wants to release on all of us an anointing where we begin to sense the kingdom of God, the things of God, the supernatural of God, as no one has ever experienced before. The first church saw this, but the latter rain will be greater than the former. I want to share this with the cousin. and I want to pray. When I first got saved, when I first gave my life to the Lord, before Tiz and I ever met, I was praying one night, and this is the first time I ever had a vision. And it lasted about eight hours. I was running a boy's home. We would get to, we were all off the streets, drug addicts, gangbangers off the streets, and we had boys' homes, and I was running one of the boys' homes. And I had this vision, and the Lord was speaking to me about a bunch of different things. And then he said, I want you to go to your pastor and tell him this. And he gave me three things to tell my pastor, and I won't get into all this, about the building, about the God was speaking to him about adding on to the building and about this and, and God's got somebody that's going to come and call him about this. And I, and, and I said, man, you know, I'm, I'm six months old in the Lord. And then the Lord said, open your eyes. I want to talk to you face to face. And I opened my eyes because, the, and, and, and I said, totally expecting to see Jesus. And I opened my eyes and I go, Lord, where are you? He said, you're not ready yet. But there'll come a time, and I'll remind you, and I'll come and talk to you face to face, and I'll show you things. When I was reading this about heaven and about, and then God said, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man. It brought back that vision that happened to me so many years ago. The next morning at prayer, I was praying, and the Lord said, I want you to tell your pastor these things. And I thought, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm six with the Lord. He's the pastor. And all of a sudden, somebody taps me on the shoulder, and it was my pastor. And he said, Larry, are you supposed to tell me something? And I said, well, I said, Somebody's going to call you about this. That happened that day. God said that you're thinking about this. He goes, I am. And I said, God said to go ahead and do it. The money will be there. And it was. And I can't even pronounce it. I can't remember what the third one was. 
And I said, he said, why didn't you come to me? And I said, because the Lord said, open your eyes. I want to, I want to talk to you. And I opened my eyes and he wasn't there. So I thought, you know, I'm just, and he goes, when the time's right, you're going to see Jesus and he's going to show you things. And I believe that's not just a word for me. I believe it's a word for us. Then the last days, he will pour out his spirit. He will show us things to come. We'll begin to see things and understand things. And through that, it won't be, oh, look at me. I'm a prophet or I'm an apostle or I'm a prophetess or I've got the. It won't be any of that on any of us. It'll be that anointing will be so great that will bring masses of people to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Can I pray for that anointing to fall on all of us? Father, in the name of Jesus, let it be. Father, let there come a new anointing on all of us here and all of our family around the world that's watching by stream. Father, an anointing of dreams and visions, an anointing of the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of healing, manifestations of prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And Father, an anointing that will be so wonderful that the words that we speak will go beyond anything the enemy does to block people from receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Father, I declare that we will give you all the praise and all the glory like you did with that servant as the prophet prayed. Open our eyes. All of us, male and female, moms and dads, sons and daughters, open our eyes that we may see the things that you have prepared. And we give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, would you give the Lord a clap offering one more time?